What's up, guys? Welcome to another Creative Exchange episode. Today is very special. It's a bonus episode at WWDC 2018. Woo! So I have some amazing people with me. I'm going to have four people total, but the first two, introduce yourselves, guys. Yeah, sure. So my name is Jyothi Ramaswamy. Awesome. How old are you? Oh, I'm 16 years old. 16 years old. Uh, I'm Jay, uh, and I'm 20. Yeah. Amazing. So in the world of like little Tay and stuff, you know, it's I feel like a lot of youngsters are clout chasers and it's very cool to talk to young people like you guys who are doing really cool stuff with coding, making apps, trying to make a difference. It's just amazing. So for some quick background, um, Jyothi, you can start. What are you working on right now? What, what do you do? So I just finished an app that uses machine learning and allows you to self-diagnose your risk for rheumatoid arthritis in the future so that you can, you know, mitigate your risk right now in the present. So I just finished doing that and I'm planning to release that into the app store hopefully soon. So definitely stay tuned for that. And then another idea that I'm working on right now and prototyping is it's called PowerOn and it's pretty much an app that connects users to the government in times of power outages because I'm from New York and recently in March we had two huge blizzards and it wiped out power pretty much in my entire area. There was a blackout for seven to ten days and there were there was a lot of confusion with you know like who does have power who doesn't and the government was also like trying to figure out which houses do and don't have power and they were not really sure how to like, keep track of that. So my app pretty much is a platform to solve this problem. Amazing. So who would be responsible for like getting that information to the people? Would you like partner with the government? To yeah, okay. that's the goal, yes. Man, making big moves. Okay, <laughs> so we're going to come back to you, but Jay, what are you up to? Um, so I've got an app at the moment called Mixed. And the idea is at parties and like get togethers where, you know, you, you take your phone out and you connect by Apple Music and you play songs to the speaker. But then someone else will want to come along and they want to play their music on the speaker as well. And you kind of got to go through this stage where you've got to change connection and unplug and plug or connect via Bluetooth and things like that. So I kind of wanted to fix that problem by having one phone that was constantly connected to the, the speaker. And then you could have multiple people with the app on their phone and they could queue up songs to their uh, device. Uh, yeah, so that's what I've been working on at the moment. Uh, and that is in the App Store, and they've got a few uh, new things coming, hopefully, by the end of this week. Heck, yeah. So how did you guys start coding? When did it begin? Because both of y'all are very young. What age did it start at? Where did it come from? Were your parents coders, your friends? Or were you just like, I want to do this? So for me, it really started in the summer before sixth grade. I didn't want to go to camp that summer, mainly because I just didn't want to wake up early. But I also just didn't want to be bored the entire time, you know, by myself at home. So I wanted to really do something good with my time that I really enjoyed. And then at the same time, my mom is also a software engineer, and I would always just, like, listen in on her work calls, and I wouldn't ever understand a single word. <laughs> and I was, I'm just a really curious person. I always just wanted to know, what is she talking about? So... Yeah, I asked her to like teach me how to code and like help me out. So she started me off like simple HTML tutorials online just to like get my feet wet and like mm -hmm. start learning a bit. And then from there I started learning like Python, Java, and then I moved on to Objective-C and then Swift. And then from there it just kind of exploded and I kept going, never looked back since. Wow. How long were those periods of like learning this different languages? So for perspective for you guys, so I was actually a computer science major for three and a half years. So I have some context, um, but it just, I did not love it. And so I was more into video and photo and just creating content. And so I'm kind of on this side of things now. Um, but for me, when I started out in Python and I was like, this makes sense. Cool. And then I started trying to learn Objective-C and I was like, nope, <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> so once you, was that a hard jump? Or like once you learn Objective-C, I'm sure it was easier to move to Swift. Are those similar or what is Swift more uh, similar to? Because that's the Apple programming language for people who don't know. 
I mean, it wasn't too hard for me to switch right into Objective-C because right before that, it was like learning a lot of Java specifically. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I, I just like Java. See, I just went right into Objective-C. So I was like, ah, yeah. And like learning a lot about like object oriented programming. Like so just like slowly switched in when I was in like seventh, eighth grade. And then they announced Swift pretty, I think sometime in my middle school years. I don't remember. But then my mom also heard about Swift in her work, and she was like, why don't you try this out too? And then I just love that even more. Mm -hmm. And that's a direct way to code for apps in the App Store, right? Yeah. 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 Um, So Jay, what about you? Yeah, so I kind of always enjoyed working with computers and kind of didn't really, I wanted to learn more about it and learn uh, sort of, um, you know, how it all worked. So that's kind of how I got into it. Um, And so I started with C. um, And then from there, uh, like with C, you're, you're, it's pretty limiting in what you can do like graphically and I could never get my head around because I couldn't see what was going on and I wanted to make something that I could see and play with. So um, the sort of natural progression to that was apps because um, at the time Swift was sort of just coming out. So this was like early 2014. Um, and I started with Objective-C and uh, again, I, I was on the kind of in the same position as you as I had like no idea what was going on. There's mm-hmm. these brackets everywhere and you mm-hmm. just you know, get a bit confused. <laughs> um, but then Swift came out and it was kind of a really nice and simple introduction to object-oriented programming and getting sort of those um, uh, things into your head, you know, learning about those things. Um, so yeah, and then I just kind of stuck with Swift from there and uh, I've gone on with that and learned since. Um, and so I'm in my second year of my degree at the moment in the UK. Uh, what school do you go to? Uh, the University of Bristol. Um, and so I've kind of built on that with like Java and um, some other cool languages, yeah. For people who are unfamiliar with code, what does it mean to be like an object-oriented program? So in Python, if you want to, I don't know, do a series of things, it's it's pretty straightforward if you know like mm-hmm. certain commands and all that stuff. But what's different about object-oriented programming? Um, so I guess the, the way to look at it is that everything is an object in some way or form, right? So like in front of us, we've got a microphone and a microphone is an object and then it has like certain properties about it. So you've got like its height, you've got its color um, and things like that. Uh, but then it's also got uh, methods to it. So it performs some sort of action. So a microphone like takes some input um, and some headphones might give some output and they're, they're the kind of key um, structures to an object. Um, yeah, and then there's uh, other things you can do. So like um, this concept of like inheritance. So you may have like an object which is an animal and that's kind of a, an abstract thing. Uh, whereas then you may have a dog that kind of uh, inherits from an animal cause that in the same way that a cat also inherits from an animal, but has like specific features uh, specific to that dog or cat, but then has some similar features which they share. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of what object-oriented programming is, I'd say. Yeah, yeah I think that pretty much encompassed everything pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. You thanks, know what thanks, you're thanks, doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with the idea, you know, you have these ideas to create apps and, um, you know, music was a thing for you. Yeah. And uh, Jyothi, how did the idea around like arthritis come up? Is that something that, uh, you know, like your family deals with or like a friend that deals with? Like how, because... I don't know, in 16, I was so worried about, like, me yeah. and my yeah, person, yeah, yeah. and, like, for you to create something like that is pretty cool. So so where did that come from? So I've always just really been interested, in addition to, like, computer science, I've always really been interested in biology. I took my school's AP biology class last year, really loved it, and I wanted to do something that combines both, like, biology and computer science. So last summer, I analyzed... Uh, bio data set from the CDC and NIH. It pretty much had a data set describing senior citizens' lifestyle characteristics and the aging disabilities that they have. And I used machine learning models to analyze this data. And I got significant results specifically with specific lifestyle characteristics, like, for example, weight that correspond to specifically rheumatoid arthritis. And I wanted to really create an impact out of this research and out of these findings. So that's why I created my app. Dang. So what you just said, using a machine learning model (laughs) or whatever. Yeah. What does that mean? So it's pretty much just computers taking in these really big mathematical formulas and using these formulas to perform 
actions that we would only really be able to imagine humans to perform until now. So, for example, like diagnosing different diseases, a lot of machine learning algorithms algorithms are being developed right now to do that. And it's really mind blowing. Dang. And so is this app out right now? No. Okay. I just finished it and hopefully I can submit it soon. Very cool. Um, Jay, did you grow up in a high school that was... I don't know, like forward thinking and did it spur you into these like, oh, okay, I could use code to solve that? Because it, it sounds like you're in a school that's like, I mean, do you go to school in San Jose or I'm, San Francisco area? I'm from New oh, York. Oh, no, you're from New York. <laughs> yeah. I'm from New York. We can hang out. That's so cool. I totally forgot about that. Um, so I'm guessing, Jyothi, your high school is like, is that all you or is your high school very much so like, hey, how can you use some like future technologies to solve this problem? Or whatever, because I didn't have the best, like, I'm not super stoked, I wasn't super stoked on school, and so I'm really curious, like, do teachers get it, or is that just you guys? Um, I mean, my school in general is just, like, very supportive of all the things that they do, but a lot of my inspiration for, like, coding really just came from, like, my mom, or, like, just, like, outside of school, really, Mm because there aren't really many, specifically many girls in computer science, especially at my school, Mm -hmm. so... Yeah, so you got to go out there and get it, guys. You yeah. can't wait for, like, a teacher to give you an assignment that's going to, like, change everything. So that's, that's really cool. Jay, what about you? Yeah, I guess you just got to be curious about, like, uh, you know, wanting to know a little bit more about how things work. And, and you know, you might see something cool on the App Store or uh, something, you know, download a cool app, and you kind of think, well, how does that work? How, how do they do that? And so working on things like that and being able to um, kind of recreate it in some way and, and make it your own is kind of how I learned how to do it. Um, yeah. What are some, did you guys turn to online resources or was it, was it like first your mom and then she pointed to certain like websites and courses? I mean, what, what did you guys first turn to, to learn about code? Uh, so I guess I started with, uh, kind of like, a, you know, the dummies guide to books. Mm-hmm. So I started with one of those, um, and that kind was of, was it general coding or was it a specific so I think language? That was in C. Okay. Um, and that kind of gave you a little introduction. So you kind of understood what, what was going on. And then from there, just playing around with it and, mm-hmm. and trying to Doing think it. it's kind of like, yeah. yeah, set an end goal and, and you work to how you get there and, um, yeah, use the internet. It's, it's pretty crazy what you can get on that. Yeah. For me, um, yeah, I do a, a lot of, like, courses online specifically. It started off with my mom who pointed me to different websites online, like, for example, like, W3Schools and Tutorials Point, just for simple HTML coding. And then from there, I started taking, like, Coursera cosi- courses and just stuff like that. That's how I mainly learned Swift. And, yeah, it's just machine learning, too. I learned through Coursera courses, so... Cool. And by the way, guys, Jothi's mom was the one in the video that closed out the keynote of WWDC. So I'm sure that's, is that online? Maybe. Hopefully. Okay. So it it is online. So it was basically a video about, um, you know, these coders families saying what they mean to them and talking about the projects. So that was amazing. That must have been so cool to see your mom on the big screen. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably for sure. so proud. <laughs> um, so you mentioned, you know, there's not a lot of girls who are into code at your school, yeah. and you have been involved by this this very small model. She's she not a lot of people know her. What's her name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Carly Claus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually recently had the chance to interview mm-hmm. Web. Like for Teen Vogue, inter- right? Yeah, for Teen Vogue. Yeah. I video interviewed Carly Kloss for Teen Vogue. I did an article with her. Um, yeah, it was super exciting. She's always like been one of my biggest slash tallest role models. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was a really great experience. Yeah. And she's so down to earth and humbling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's amazing. super sweet. And so she has a um, organization called Code, code with Classy where she does summer camps for uh, you know young girls in code. And when you were interviewing her, was there something that stuck out to you that was like, oh, that was really cool? Or maybe you guys related on something that you didn't think you would? What, what did you kind of take away from that interview? I mean, we both really share a passion, not just for like coding, but also teaching other girls to code. So, for example, I actually have my nonprofit Think Steam, which teaches different technology workshops and like STEM workshops to girls by integrating the arts, so STEAM. So we encourage them to be creative with all their coding and 
science projects. So yeah, it's really exciting. But one of the funniest things that stuck out with our interview is that like I run and we're talking about some of the hobbies that we like to do outside of coding and we somehow landed on the idea of doing a marathon together <laughs> oh my gosh yeah, so that would be amazing stay tuned for okay that. <laughs> you guys do that you can call me and i'll make a video about it for carly and yeah, it'll I'll be a fun time you. okay yeah. perfect you'll be in charge of the music jay yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah perfect we can get everyone playing playing all their playlists and songs <laughs> um jay what is the experience like in college so i'm assuming you're majoring in computer science yeah. right so I, I went to school for computer science and it was i mean there was a reason why i dropped out but it just seemed to me like you can learn so much valuable stuff outside of that system but then i know there's a lot of colleges who are doing it right you just have to like figure out what's right for you um so what has your experience so far been doing computer science in college for two years now right yeah so cool. just finished second year um so i guess that you can learn a lot just by yourself and going into like first year i felt that you know they're kind of teaching you all this stuff and you're like yeah i already know this what, what are you teaching me this for um but then i guess you get into some more advanced things and you, you th there is no way that you could learn that just by you know googling it or what you just don't get the same amount of detail and i guess that you know you can understand the basics and and things like that but the uh the more advanced things so things like machine learning you can learn online but then to then go into so much detail with that um, and to be at the forefront of, of research, which pretty much machine learning is, um, you have to kind of be in the academic context. But I guess the other thing you learn from um, being at that sort of place is the amount that your code develops because you're constantly having to, um, you know, you're with other people and it's kind of a collaborative thing. So everyone kind of has input on what you do and then you kind of develop as a developer, which I guess you wouldn't get just by uh, you developing mm -hmm. by yourself. And usually in professional environments, you, you're with a team and yeah. you have to learn yeah. to work with people. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's probably helpful in the project-based yeah. sense of, yeah. you know, hey, solve this problem, do it with two buddies or something, Yeah, um, which is cool. My, are you guys still, like, taking tests and writing out code? Yeah. 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 That's still a thing. Okay. Yeah. I, that was so stupid. Yeah. 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 I was like... I, I just think, I think there's, and maybe you guys can solve this problem too. <laughs> I think <laughs> you guys don't have enough on your plate. <laughs> I think there's a lot of innovation to be had in the educational sphere yeah. of yeah. coding. Yeah. So yeah. much. And, um, you know, maybe in the traditional sense of college, it's different in the UK versus the States. But in the UK, do you guys have, is the first two years, is half of it just basics again? Yeah. 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 See, I think that's tough. I think it's important mm -hmm. to do the basics in high school, embrace it. Who cares if you don't like math? You might like math. That's why you should do it in yeah. high school. But once you get past high school, it's like, no, Yeah. no one yeah. has time for that. Yeah. Anyways, we're not going to get on the <laughs> rant. Um, so tell me about this other app, Jyothi, that you're doing with, um, is it like city of New York? Is that where you want to start and maybe expand to other cities? Is this a tool that you want you know governments around the world to have access to how do you take this big idea and kind of like yeah. shrink it down to actual steps yeah so i'm actually from westchester so like right above the city so i think right now i just want to like finish building it because i prototyped most of it and then i just want to expand it maybe to include like being able to report fallen trees or like you know fallen power lines so i want to start off and maybe stop small with like my area expand to like other cities of course but i feel like this is an issue that doesn't really just affect new york it affects like the entire world especially with like all the hurricanes that have happened in areas like puerto rico for example mm -hmm. um and that's still suffering from power outages so i feel that i would love to expand this idea to the entire world and like help people who might really benefit from it how do you start that process? Do you look at other apps and say, okay, what are some like maybe features or ideas I can borrow from them to like combine into your app? But how, how does that, you know, how do you get your idea to code to an actual phone where you see it? You know, do you look at like Waze and are you like, okay, yeah. how does Waze report things and how, how does that get on a map? And then, you know, do you apply that to your idea or it just seems like so big, you know, yeah. how do you, how do you get it down to those little pieces so yeah definitely looking at like other different apps that might have done something similar ways being one of them seeing how like 
they accomplish their ideas and then try to integrate like something similar into mine. Cool. That's definitely cool. a big one. Jerry, how did the mixed, right? Yeah. How did mixed start? Was it like a, a pain point of your friends? Like were you at a party and like, oh, I wish I could cue up a song. Exactly that. So like we, I constantly found that everyone wanted to keep disconnecting and connecting to the same speaker over and over again. And you just got kind of That's bored annoying. of it when it yeah. just didn't work yeah. at the end of the day. Um, and so it, it, that, it just kind of spawned from that. Um, that pain point yeah that's cool for people like me who can't code but i think for or i have a general idea but i can't make an app you know if i if i really tried and studied or whatever i probably could but it's hard and i think there's a lot of people on the other side of the table who maybe have these big ideas but they just cannot bridge the gap with code and i think that's when collaboration comes in to handy and um, you know, maybe there's a person with an idea and a person who can code. And it sounds like you guys are both of those people <laughs> right now. Um, but in college or high school or maybe the groups that you're a part of, have you been able to work with people who don't code, who have ideas and want to do X, Y, Z? And like, what is that collaboration process like? Yeah, so um, I kind of guess that, you know, uh, I'm not very good at designing things. Uh, I like I can code it if you show me what you want to design mm -hmm. and uh, and then I can make it look like that. But my I don't really do well with designing things. So I've always generally tend to work with other people who are able to design things. And that's like a, a really good process because you can kind of say, oh, I want my idea to look like this. And then they can draw it and go, oh, this would be a really good user experience to do this. And then I can take that and then use that. So I think coding and, and sort of making things in general is always got to be a collaborative process. And um, that's kind of the best bit about it is you can bring in all these different um, opinions and and then create something mm -hmm. pretty cool. Yeah, I feel like even if like certain people might not know how to code or might not be interested, they can still like definitely help you out with your apps. Like let's say like trying to be like a user and like giving you advice on like from like their side of the app, like when they're like using certain features and like maybe they caught certain problems with the app that you, you could solve and make it even better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess as well, uh, there might be things that you've like completely overlooked. So there might be a feature that some people might like. So for example, with Mixed at the moment, someone suggested adding in like a whole playlist at the same time. And that was something I just didn't think about. I thought, well, you're just going to add a single song. Well, maybe you've already got a playlist in Apple Music or Spotify, and you might want to just bring those across and um, add them in together. So um, yeah, getting other people's opinions and features and um, fixing bugs is all part of it. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Uh, so for people who might want to learn code and, you know, maybe they're not 16 or 20, so they feel like, oh, it's too late. Maybe they're 40 or 50. What are some like words of encouragement or maybe practical things that they can do or websites that they could visit to kind of just like ignite that, you know, flame? <laughs> Honestly, it's never too late to start coding. And the great thing about Swift and specifically Swift Playgrounds and it, is that it gives you like an interface to really like see your ideas and like plan it out, especially with like storyboards and Xcode for Swift. Um, it's like really easy to learn. I think Apple did a really great job with Swift with making it like easy to follow. And the Swift Playgrounds app also has like a lot of tutorials to learn how to code. And I think it's really cool. Yeah, I think Swift Playgrounds uh, on iPad specifically has got some great uh, content in it. And uh, I know my younger siblings have uh, enjoyed that and used that. Um, so, yeah, that's been great. That's cool. WWDC 2018, you know, the keynote was yesterday and then a lot of developers are in different workshops today. Uh, what were some exciting things from the keynote that stood out to you guys that you're like, oh, OK, you know, that could either be helpful to me or just cool from a user side of things? Um, my favorite was definitely create ML. It's great that now I can finally just create like my own machine learning algorithms inside of like Xcode itself and then run it because the way it was before, I have to create it in like another platform, like for example, Python or like TensorFlow. It's another platform that you can use to make machine learning models. And then you'd have to convert it and then you'd have to like put it into your apps and stuff. And I think it just makes the process a whole lot simpler, especially because now the file size for all the machine learning algorithms, they're way smaller, which definitely really, really helps a lot. Yeah, I'd say my favorite thing from yesterday was uh, ARKit uh, and the new additions they're bringing to that. So 
uh, we just went to a talk actually where they uh, showed us those those new changes in detail and that was really interesting um, and the way the the speed at which it can detect things on the screen is is insanely quick and mm -hmm. i think there's definitely a huge future in augmented mm. reality how have you been using ARKit? um so we've created a few things um, at hackathons and things where um so for example you know when you're on a plane and you kind of look out the window and you don't really know what's below you we created this little application at a, a hackathon where you could point your phone out and then it would oh, kind cool. of map through ar the uh, world below you using satellite images um so yeah that was pretty cool that's sick. Yeah. That's really that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of cool possibilities and it's cool to hear from the developer side of things because um, a, a lot of the videos I make and content I make is just kind of from the consumer side of things. And it's like, okay, what's going to affect, you know, like my mom while she's on her iPhone. And, um, and I think it's cool to really dive in deeper to where, okay, you guys are the ones making these apps that we see, making the stuff that we interact with. So it's super exciting and thanks for being dope. And yeah, anything else to put out into the world, guys, as we, as we wrap on up? Any words of wisdom from any mentors or Carly that you want to share? <laughs> I mean, in general, with like coding, I feel like even like Carly Kloss was saying this, like it seems like this abstract thing, like it's hard to describe, but once you start coding, like everything just starts to make sense. And it's just this really, really- It's not as scary as it seems. It's not as scary as it seems at all. Yeah, so if you're even like thinking about coding just like a bit, try it. It's gonna be an awesome experience. Yeah, I'd say, uh, you know, there's definitely gonna be problems along the way and you're gonna, you're gonna face challenges, but I'd say embrace those challenges and take them uh, as a really good thing. And then once you've tackled them, uh, it will feel really good afterwards. And that's that's one of the best things. Epic. Sure. Heck yeah. Thanks, Josie and Jay, for chatting. Um, and I'm going to bring two more people on the podcast. But guys, thank you so much. Thank you. And if you guys want to learn more about their apps and what they're doing, you can check out the show notes down below. Thanks, guys. And we are back with the next two guests, Amanda and Gray. How has y'all's WWDC experience been so far? Surreal. Very surreal. It's been amazing. Yeah, yeah. So where are you guys from? What do you do? Tell me a little bit about yourselves. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm from Portland, Oregon. Uh, I co-founded a nonprofit called App Camp for Girls. Uh, we teach middle, middle school age uh, girls, transgender youth, and gender nonconforming youth how to program. Snazzy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm Amanda Southworth. I'm 16 and I'm from Los Angeles, California, and I run a nonprofit called Astro Labs. And we are a 501c3 software development company. So essentially, we make apps for marginalized communities that are usually forgotten in technology. That's Holy awesome. cow. And you're 16? <laughs> Emotionally, I'm like 70. <laughs> I don't even know what 501c means. It means when people give me money, they don't have to pay taxes on it. Nice. <laughs> so give her nonprofit money, guys. Woo! I mean, I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> so dive a little deeper um, into what, what you're working on, what you're doing, mm -hmm. um, and then great as well. Uh, so we have two apps on the App Store right now. The first one is called Anxiety Helper, and it's free information, resources, and tools for people with mental illness. Um, so the goal of it is to kind of create an all-in-one resource for anybody that thinks they have mental illness or has someone that they love with mental illness. Um, and the idea was it to actually provide tools based in cognitive behavioral therapy that actually help people. So the app can guide you through a panic attack. It can teach your friend how to guide you through a panic attack. Um, it allows you to vent into the app, and essentially it's just, these, uh, it's just these set of tools to help people with mental illness that they may not get help otherwise. Um, and then our second app is called Verena, and it's a fully encrypted security system for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and it's designed for people in the community who are at higher risk of abuse or hate crimes or bullying or um, just in general any danger because there's a lot of inherent risks with being out and being um, involved in that community. And so the way that it works is you set up a network of contacts and when you alert the contacts, it goes to their phone anonymously without leaving a trace on your phone. Um, and then you can save incident logs about different types of incidents that happen to you, like bullying, domestic abuse, violence, stuff like that. Um, and then there's a timer. So if you're walking home from a club or if you're walking home from a pride event, you can set a certain amount of time, and if you don't cancel the timer, it will be automatically sent to all of your contacts with your last known location. 
And then we have hidden interfaces so you can hide the app to look like a math help app rather than a security system app. Jeez. <laughs> you yeah. just you thought about all the things. A little bit. So yeah. where where did this come from? How you know, how are you inspired to do this? Because a lot of I would say a lot of high schoolers are very concerned about just like themselves uh-huh. and like how many Instagram followers do I have <laughs> and yeah. you know, the, those things. So it's it's awesome. But where yeah. where did it come from yeah uh well i'm not really a traditional high school student i dropped out actually like um two or three months ago to run my nonprofit. um so i've been dedicating it full time but i grew up with severe depression and anxiety and ptsd and you know i was in a house where i was not able to access medication or therapy and so i had no support for my mental health whatsoever and so what happened was i used coding which was like my passion at the time um and I taught myself psychology and I taught myself how to deal with it. Uh, and thinking back on it, I kind of want to be that person that people needed when they were younger. I was also mm-hmm. struggling with, you know, coming to terms with my sexuality because I'm pansexual. And, you know, uh, in the house that I was in, that wasn't really considered good. And it's just a lot of fear when you're going through all of that and you don't really have a central way to deal with it. And so my kind of life philosophy is to be the person that I needed when I was younger. So I make apps to help people that were potentially in the same situation as me because, you know, I know how much that sucked. Mm -hmm. Um, And I make them free and accessible. So cost is not usually a worry because um, I think that in the world we have solutions to a lot of the problems that we face, but we just don't have those solutions accessible to those who need them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we don't really have a free way to give those to people. And we don't really have a streamlined way to give that to people. Um, so that's what I attempt to do. I wow, attempt cool. to bring accessible solutions to people who need it. Heck yeah. And I guess when most people are concerned about the bottom line and, yeah. and profits and stuff, I think that's when it could get in the way of that. So yeah. it's very <laughs> admirable. That's, Thank that's you. amazing. Yeah. So Gray, how long have you been doing these camps? How'd you get involved? Uh, so we're in our sixth summer. Um, and I got involved, so I actually originally went to school for painting. <laughs> Um, nice. I was working for Apple Retail and trying to figure out what I wanted to do after school, and a friend of mine approached me and was like, oh, you, you might be interested in programming. And um, <coughs> long story short, I picked up a few books, really liked it, taught myself how to code. Um, he kind of took me under his wing, gave me a job, um, and then uh, I ended up running into Gene McDonald, who's the, uh, the founder of AppCamp. Uh, and we were at a, a women's uh, WWDC meetup. Um, the other piece of the story is I'm trans. Uh, so this was before I transitioned, so I was seen as a woman. And um, we were talking about things, and uh, she mentioned her idea for App Camp, and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. I want to give back. You know, Somebody took me under their wing and taught me how to program, and I want to be able to do that for other people. Um, and so, so we started App Camp. Uh, we've, been, we've been in a whole bunch of different cities um, and taught over 200 girls how to code, and um, and transgender and gender nonconforming youth. Um, anyway, and then a, a couple of years ago, um, I came out as trans and started transitioning. And that made us sort of reevaluate um, our mission and what we were doing. And our whole point was to um, bring gender equity about in tech by uh, you know, changing, uh, changing the landscape for our youth. Um, and that, in the context of transitioning, we sort of all realized that we were leaving out a whole section of marginalized gender identities. Um, and so we explicitly opened up camp to uh, be inclusive um, and started talking about it at camps. We you know, do things like we talk about pronouns and stuff like that. Um, <coughs> it's really well, important. Yeah, it definitely is important. Um, yeah, that uh, makes me very happy to see some LGBTQ plus representation in tech, especially as you know, like a girl that's mentally ill and who's also like kind of gay. That's, it's very, it's very loving and it makes me very happy to see that when that's mm-hmm. not normally represented in the technology field. Yeah, and it's huge, like, the same thing growing up, I didn't have any uh, examples, and mm-hmm. so I, I came out as queer very late, and then I came out as trans. Um, I was nearly 30 when I came out as trans, and um, all of those things are things that I could have understood about myself and not thought that I was different or weird if I had had an example of all of that whenever I was younger. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. So, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I didn't interrupt you. <laughs> Uh, so, like being being visible and being an example of that, and um, being able to uh, talk about it, I think is really important because if mm-hmm. we can be those examples for the kids coming up now, maybe exactly. we can change their lives. Yeah. So, what does code mean for these kids that you're teaching? You know, or and what does code mean to you? Is that opportunity? Is that 
you know, just being able to, for anyone to take the idea in their head and turn it to life. Like, what does it mean to you? And why, why are you teaching it to these kids? I think it means art and creativity. Um, there's sort of this narrow stereotyped view that code is this like science dorky thing that people do like in their bedrooms in the dark. And in reality, it's this beautiful living thing that we can all create like whatever we could imagine. Um, and so when we talk about it with the campers and with the volunteers, um, it's more along the lines of, you know, think of, of a problem that you want to solve or something that you want to do to make the world better. That's what programming is. You can solve those problems with it. And when you present it like that, kids that are interested in music or art or something that is completely separate from programming all of a sudden have a passion and a drive to learn how to program. Um, and they yeah. make awesome stuff. Yeah, I love that. So how did you learn how to code? Uh, so uh, what, what age <laughs> as well? So this was back in like 2011, I want to say about seven years ago, six, seven years ago. Um, I got into this robotics class in my middle school. This was sixth grade. I was like the only girl in there, but I thought it was the coolest stuff ever. And I was like, yo, look <laughs> at me. I printed Hello World. Apple, yes. hire Print me, thank F. you. Hello, world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so for a long time, I worked on that robotics team, and it got me into embedded systems and microcontrollers and all of that, like, really nerdy robotics jazz. Um, and it was really important to me because it kind of, it, I fell in love with it. Like, a lot of people have their platforms. Like, some people will use makeup to express themselves. Some people use YouTube to express themselves. Some people use Instagram to post their art. Um, and for me, my code is how I express myself, and it's how I get across my values and my morals. Um, and especially growing up in such a position I did, where I wasn't really allowed to talk about certain things, and I wasn't allowed to reach out for um, a lot of stuff, it gave me also a voice and kind of a way of speaking for other people that couldn't. That's awesome. Heck yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you. So what is on the horizon for you guys? In turn, it, like it doesn't have to be professionally, but maybe what are some things even that you heard, um, you know, yesterday at the keynote, what you've been learning that's exciting you, it, you know, it excites you and you're like, oh, okay, maybe I can do this idea or, oh, I've been thinking about this. Now I can do this. I mean, what's, what's exciting right now? What do you guys, what's the next thing? I mean, both of you guys seem very busy, <laughs> but I feel like there's always that. You know, like, oh, it'd be so cool to do this. Yeah. Um, in terms of the conference, one of the things that I was really intrigued about was Siri shortcuts because um, a lot of times when people are in crisis, whether like a, uh, like a physical crisis or an emotional crisis, it's so hard for them to actually tap in and understand what mm -hmm. they're doing because a lot of people tend to, you know, go into shock and they tend to just be separated from the logical parts of themselves. So um, I actually was talking with a person a while back and she was like, wouldn't it be so cool if you could say like, hey Siri, I have anxiety. I'm covering my Apple Watch so it doesn't <laughs> turn on. Um, but like, hey Siri, I have anxiety. And then Siri would take you to a bunch of hotlines or resources. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's just streamlining it and making it easier and more accessible to get help. Um, that's really what I'm personally interested in the conference. Uh, with my nonprofit, we're launching three apps in the next wow. year. You guys are busy. <laughs> it's just like three teenage kids like calling on Skype every night, being like, did you ever finish this? Did I ever finish this? I love that. Um, so it's just, it's really like a, it's a, it's a really awesome community to be a part of. But um, we're launching Wizard in September, which uses artificial, artificial, okay, hold on, <laughs> which uses artificial intelligence and machine learning to allow you to scan your handwritten notes and then what it does is we take your handwritten notes and we put it into text, and then we give you a practice test, a study guide, and a digital copy of those notes. Excuse me, what? Yeah, so it automates the studying process completely. That would be helpful. <laughs> Where was that, girl? Why didn't you make that when you were like 10 so I could have it in school? <laughs> that is so right. If, if I ever get a time machine, I will be okay, on that. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, and so you guys are also like partnering with Tom's, right? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, I won the social entrepreneurship grant back in December. Nice. I was one of Teen Vogue's 21 under 21. And so them and Tom surprised me with this grant of $25,000. And um, so the way that the nonprofit came about is I've actually been doing app development since 2015. But you know, all of it's funded directly by me because you know I never I would never want anybody to be unable to access this because they couldn't pay for it. So I kind of waited for um, the right time to kind of move forward. 
and I always knew that I wanted to kind of take this, what I was doing, and make it into something bigger. Um, so Tom's gave me $25,000, and that kind of was like the catalyst point, and it was like, okay, uh, I'm gonna make a nonprofit, even though I've been doing this stuff for already three or four years. Um, and so we just launched three or four weeks ago. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a pretty cool thing. Um, a long time dream of mine. And so I'm one of, I think, around less than 30 people that have gotten the grant or have been in the fund, uh, and I'm the youngest recipient. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And so how is their influence going to impact the study guide thing? Um, well, so the way that it works is we definitely want to keep it accessible to lower income communities, but we also need, um, we need money, you feel. Mm-hmm. It's, it can't be, uh, we need some form of income to make sure that everybody has a safe and fun experience um, and is properly using the tools. So the way that it works is that for every subscription that a student buys, uh, a subscription goes to somebody in an underfunded community like uh, an immigrant, a first-generation college student, a single parent, um, just members of the community uh, just in the world that you know are systematically brought down because of the, the kind of circumstances that they're born into that usually keep them from getting a really good education or having enough income to go get a really good education. Uh, so it essentially follows the Tom's one-for-one model for mm-hmm. every pair of shoes that you buy, uh, somebody who needs a pair of shoes gets a pair of shoes. So we kind of adopted that and made it so that everybody could have some snazzy education tools Epic. and could be accessible and yeah. we could all move forward together. I love it. Gray, what about you? What stood out from um, you know, what they announced and, or just something that's like, okay, that's going to allow me maybe to do this or something exciting to, you know, teach some kids in summer camps now yeah i'm still chewing over the announcements and how they're gonna um inspire things at app camp uh there's some sessions coming up later in the week that are specifically going to talk about the changes for um, education and playgrounds um, so i'm looking forward to those um, in terms of uh, general things looking forward um, we're kind of in a, a state of um, like sort of fortifying um, we've existed primarily or solely really off of um, volunteers and then um, Gene and I and a few other core members um, you know volunteering our time to make app camp go and uh, this year we we finally reached a point where we were able to hire a full-time executive director amazing um, and a program manager so we have like we have staff and it's awesome yes. <laughs> um, and so we're we're sort of in a place where we're sort of trying to uh, take all of the things that we've built and make them sustainable and things that can can stay around for a long period of time um, and so that's having better volunteer support that's uh, really dialing in our curriculum and um, packaging it up in a way where it, somebody who's our goal is that somebody who's never programmed before can pick up the curriculum and teach themselves how to code or teach a group of people how to code. Um, and we've tested it in about six different cities uh, with a whole range of different volunteers, um, and it's gone really well. But we've needed you know, one core person who is an iOS developer or has experience with it to make it go. And so we're kind of working on abstracting that a little bit more so that anybody can just pick it up and go. Epic. Yeah, what does that look like when, you know, you're, you're doing a thing and maybe it's an idea that turns into something bigger and then, oh my gosh, you're in multiple cities doing this thing. What is the process like for adding the structure around that? Because, you know, if you want to grow, you have to have that structure in place. So what are some specific things that you're doing now that, you know, are maybe new, uh, you know, now you're dealing with, you know, you people on staff. So like, how do you delegate to volunteers better? Like, what, what are some things that you're doing? Um, it's a lot of trial and error mm-hmm. and a lot of like, well, that works here and this works there. Um, I, a lot of it has to do with listening. Um, so, you know, pe- we'll talk to people about what we you know, want to accomplish um, and, you know, how many youth we want to reach and things like that. And then finding out in that specific location um, what's going to work in that city, because what works in Portland doesn't work in Chicago, doesn't work in Vancouver. Um, so there's a lot of, of getting into the community and finding out specifically how to speak to the people there um, and how to. Uh, you know, where to position ourselves within the community um, and how to get volunteers and uh, kids into the camp. Yeah, that's cool. How does different locations play into what you guys do? Because you said, you know, you're on like a Skype call mm-hmm. with two of your other friends, like building stuff. Are they are they in different cities or is it just like the fact of practicality? I can't drive 30 minutes for yeah. to ask you this question. And like, <laughs> what are some technologies that have kind of like brought that together and made that workflow possible? Um, so my co-founder is actually 
somebody that I met on Twitter. <laughs> I you know. love it. Dude, I am the biggest advocate for Twitter. It's, like, Twitter mm-hmm. connects people in ways that I, I've just never seen before. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened was last year after WWDC, which I attended to, uh, this random kid just messages me, and he's like, yo, like, you're cool. I was like, thanks. Um, and we had this mutual discon- We had this mutual conversation because there was this person that we both strongly disliked and we kind of bonded over you bonded on hate bonded on talking trash um and i was working at another startup on the time that was it was like wizard um as a separate company before it was in my nonprofit. so in that startup we had people from nebraska georgia california and australia wow so we were calling across four different time zones and i would never sleep poor australia person <laughs> Yeah. They probably had to be up so early and on that, like, one Uh, megabyte up and down (laughs) internet. I hear internet in Australia is just terrible. It sucks. Yeah. It definitely sucks. Yeah. Um, So that startup actually kind of dissolved because of, you know, founder disputes. And what happened was all of our code got deleted. All of our finished stuff got deleted. Um, So what happened was it was just me and this dude I met on Twitter that became my best friend. And he was like, what do you want to do? Because, like, I was at Disneyland the day that it all kind of blew up. Oh, what and a terrible <laughs> way to ruin your Disney- Disneyland experience. Uh, even worse, it was the last day with my best friend of, like, two years. She was moving. And mm. I was just chilling with her. And then I got this text. And I was like, ooh, my life is like a bad Netflix drama <laughs> that, like, some melodramatic teen created. Um, <laughs> but so what happened was, for a while, I was both working on you know wizard and astra at the same time and then it kind of came to a point where it was like you know i'm not gonna run two separate companies and i know i've never kind of thought that i've wanted to make a profit off of helping people and i've never thought that i should um so i took wizard and i merged it under astra and then so me and my co-founder coleman have been running that for three or four months and he lives in Georgia and I live in California and I don't go to high school but he goes to high school Mm. so there will be times when it's like 3 a.m and I text him I'm like yo wake up like we just got like a media request from this or we just got like a donation for like this amount of money and he's like um, I have school tomorrow I have school tomorrow yeah (laughs) and there's a lot of times where like I have to be the mom and I'm like Coleman it's 3 a.m go to bed because like I know he's gonna be you know grumpy the next morning yeah um but in general, our goal is to make it so that we can both live in the same city and, you know, kind of have, uh, get to a place where we don't have to FaceTime each other like 50 yeah. times what's, a week. What's the dream city for you guys? Dream city for me, at least is Seattle. Really? The okay, largest, cool. not, well, not the largest city, but it has the most coffee shops per capacita of any city in the United States. I love I know, me too. It's so good. <laughs> yes, so that's like definitely the dream goal is to live in Seattle and be with my best friend slash Twitter stalker slash co-founder. I love it. And have a really fat cat. Um, and then live ha- happily ever after. after yeah. Ha- la- la- ever. <laughs> yeah. Happily ever after. Uh, Amazing. And just yeah. help people and eat ramen and drink lattes. I love it. Thank I love you. it. Gray, what about you? Like, you know, location. I think with technology, it's it's been easier to kind of just get ideas out there and um, you know you're obviously running camps all over the states right um, is there yeah. is there a dream to go global with this there's definitely a dream to go global um, I personally would like to stay in Portland I love it there <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I but I would love to see app camp in every city all over the world yeah, that's that would be epic what so you love Portland. What what do you love about Portland? I'm about to do a Seattle Portland trip hopefully soon. Ooh. So this is a selfish question. <laughs> Where do I need to go in Portland? What do I need to do? Uh, well, you definitely need to go hiking. There's okay. a ton of waterfalls and a bunch of really gorgeous outdoor stuff to do. Mount Hood is amazing. Um, the Pacific Coast is amazing. Um, and it's what I love about Portland is you're situated in a way where in one day you could be on the top of a mountain and then in the water. Um, on the coast there's just so much outdoor stuff to do it's amazing Um, kayaking if you're there in the summertime is super fun um, or you can float the river Uh, and then the food and the coffee and the beer are great (laughs) craft beer and then coffee yeah Yeah. heck yeah yeah and uh and the distillery scene as well i also uh run a 
a club called Long Distance Cocktail Club where we hike out into the wilderness and we make fancy drinks for um, <laughs> amazing. And and we work with the distilleries in town, so we'll like take product photos or like make recipes for them to make with our drinks. That's so cool. Take those uh, super hipster like Pacific Northwest Instagrams. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so wrapping things up, what is what are some like words of encouragement or some advice to someone who like wants to get into code? They want to take that step, whether they're 16 or 60. Like, w- what's some advice you give? Uh, meetup.com has some awesome ways to meet up with local programmers or people in your community. And my experience with them has been, you know, really good. Anyway, um, but I, I would recommend, like, finding the community in your city of people that code um, and meeting up with them and going and talking. And, like, don't be afraid to walk up and try and have a conversation or email the organizer in advance to make sure that the place is going to be an inclusive place where you're going to feel comfortable. Um, but talking to people about code and having conversations about code and pair programming um, are some of the best ways to learn. Um, my advice is kind of more towards the younger generation in general. I think, you know, I think a lot of people should learn how to code, but, you know, it's not the only thing that you could be passionate about. And I think that, you know, if you if coding is your passion that's awesome but i think you should take your passion and you should run with it Mm. um that's kind of my like my first little bit of advice is you know your passion is obviously your passion you know it's something that you're never really going to let go of it's your love affair with something rather whether it be art or coding or something Mm -hmm. like that and you really need to hold on to that because Mm. there's a lot of bad stuff in the world today and if you tend to get all swept up in that, you're gonna forget the amazing things in life, like coding and passion and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my second bit of advice is really more towards, you know, people in technology that are in like marginalized communities, like whether it be, you know, a trans person or whether it be a woman or a person of color that doesn't feel good uh, about being in the tech space. I really don't feel like anybody should have to belittle themselves to make other people comfortable in their presence. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, like, I've definitely had some problems where people are like, oh, um, you know, you cuss too much on social media or, you know, you drink too much coffee or you do this or you do that. And it annoys me. Um, wow. Drink too much coffee. I know. What a- Out of all, like, <laughs> blasphemy. It's actually happened. I've actually had a person, like, message me and they're like, maybe if you stop drinking so much Starbucks, you wouldn't be a nonprofit and you could actually have, like, money. And I was like, yo. Oh, my God. I was like, you're right. But you didn't have to attack me that hard. Um, but when you get rid of these things that people want to critique about you and that make other people uncomfortable, you get rid of yourself. Hmm. Um, and so that's why I've always been a strong advocate of, you know, being who you are, even if it's not what other people want you to be. Oof. Drop the mic. Drop the yeah, mic. Well yes. No, that's so not well I'm going to drop this mic because this looks <clears throat> it's expensive. expensive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, that's so good because I, you know, I pursued computer science for three and a half years in college. And so... I did that on the fact that I was like a math science geek in mm-hmm. high school, so I was like, I gotta make money, this is how I'm gonna make <laughs> money, you know? <laughs> but I was doing the video stuff on the side and that was truly my passion. Uh-huh. And so, you know, when push came to shove, I'm so glad that I dropped out of college and pursued video uh-huh. because when you truly find your passion, that's going to lead to the drive to get past those hard times and yeah. those obstacles in the way. Um, so amazing advice guys thank you so much for being on um y'all's links will be in the show notes below if you guys want to check out um these amazing humans and thanks so much guys yeah thank you for having me this is a really snazzy place i did this all myself all of this that you see was me apple had nothing to do with it you have a very strong taste for the (laughs) apple aesthetics (laughs) thanks guys thank you